I've spent the last few years working for one of the largest shockwave clinics in North America, and I've learned a thing or two about the power and untapped potential of regenerative medicine. But the march towards a future where sickness is healed from its root cause is challenged by the influence of big pharma and their deep pockets. So now we're forced to answer questions like, how do we get rid of joint pain, take back our performance in the bedroom, and heal diseases from the inside out without band-aid medications or negative side effects? This show will give you the answers. Follow along as I interview the world's top experts and doctors and how they transform their lives and their patients' lives using the newest advances in biotechnology. I'm your host, Austin James Wolf, and you're listening to Modern Biotech Radio. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Modern Biotech Radio. Today, I'm joined by Drew Manning. He wrote the book Fit to Fat to Fit. He's got a great story, and I'm really excited uh, to have you here on the show, man. Thanks for hopping on. Austin, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, give me the cliff notes of your origin story. I, you know, some, some of our listeners have heard of you, some haven't. So give me like the, the, the two minute version. of Sure. So most people know me as the fit to fat to fit guy. Some people don't even know my name is drew, which is funny. But so back in 2011, I did this crazy experiment as a personal trainer and someone who had grown, uh, grown up, you know, my entire life in shape, never been overweight. I decided to get fat on purpose to see if it would give me a better understanding of my clients and what they yeah. were going through because I felt like I didn't understand them and why it was so hard for them just to live a healthy lifestyle. So what I did was six months, I stopped exercising and I ate an unrestricted diet. Now, what I focused on instead of Morgan Spurlock did and supersized me, he focused a lot on fast food and McDonald's, right? <clears throat> I focused on uh, highly processed foods that a lot of us here in America you know, grew up on. And, you know, sugary cereals, uh, juices, granola bars, chips, cookies, crackers, like all the highly processed foods that are affordable, convenient, and they taste really, really good. Like, like for me, it was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That was my jam. <laughs> I was going to ask, what was your favorite food when you were uh, going through this? Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Mountain Dew, like those things I could just eat all day long because oh, they yeah. were so like snacky and like it's just so convenient. And like I would have it sometimes twice a day or three times if I was really lazy. And it tasted really good. So I put on 75 pounds of pure fat in six months, which was unbelievable. It was my first time being an overweight. It was truly humbling. And what it taught me is that transformation is way more mental and emotional than people think. Mm -hmm. And the emotional connection to food is way more powerful than I ever imagined it would be, right? I just thought people lacked willpower to right. you know, just have that discipline. Like, hey, just do it. Like, put down the junk food. It's not that hard. And then here I am doing this on purpose for six months, and it really opened up my eyes to just how powerful that emotional connection to food really is and how trapped and, and the vicious cycle that it creates. So it was really humbling. Learned a lot of valuable lessons. Wrote a book about it. <clears throat> luckily lost the weight. So that's why it's called fit to fat to fit. Right. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> you know, was fortunate enough to get my body back, but with a whole new perspective, whole new understanding, more empathy for those that struggle with, with weight loss and transformation, more respect and a better understanding of what they go through. So then I could help people more so on the mental and emotional side now having done this journey. Um, so fit to fat to fit kind of became this, this, uh, household name, this brand where I created or wrote a book, became a New York Times bestseller, the book turned into a TV show on A&E where we put other trainers through this process to teach them empathy. And uh, we had two seasons of that. And, uh, and then I, I recently, about a, a year ago, I wrote a book called Complete Keto. So I got into the keto space. And uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it, man. So let me ask you this. You know, you, you were a trainer before and then you decided to gain all this weight to truly understand your clients. Mm -hmm. But what was the moment when you decided that you had to gain the weight? What was that moment? What, what led you to that moment? 
it was one of my clients was my ex-brother-in-law and I was training him and I would get so frustrated because at family events, I would see him and he would be partaking of the pizza and the donuts and the yeah, yeah. ice cream. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to be eating that. Like I'm, I'm your trainer. I'm putting you on this plan. And he's like, dude, you don't get it. You don't understand. Like I want to enjoy these things and have uh, these foods and enjoy family time. But I'm like, okay, well, how are you going to get results? And he's like, dude, you just don't understand how hard it is. Like, it's really hard for me. For you, it's been easy your whole life. Yeah. And, and when, when he kind of said that to me, I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like, I need to listen to you and maybe hmm. there's something I need to learn. And so that right. was where I started searching for ideas. Like, what can I do? And it was weird. It was like a light bulb moment where the, the thought just entered my mind. I don't even know where it came from. It just entered my mind. I'm like, whoa, what if I did this? And everyone I asked gave me good feedback. Like, oh my gosh, you should totally do that. That'd be crazy. And no one had ever really done it before on purpose, right. at least unless like some famous actors that got paid millions of dollars to do a role, but this was different. <laughs> so right. anyways, that was kind of where it came from. I love it. And when, when you gained the weight and you were going to start losing the weight again, what was going on mentally for you there? Were you sort of getting, I guess, mentally accustomed to comforting yourself with this food? How did you, how did you shift your mentality you know, when you started to cut the weight again? There was, there was an interesting time where I went on Dr. Oz after the Dr. Oz show was like a few days away from transitioning back to fit. Right. And um, his, uh, his uh, episode when I was on it really opened up my eyes just how scary this could be. Like, what if I'm stuck like this? And right, I had yeah. doubts. I had those doubts into my mind, those negative uh, thoughts. And I'm like, what did I do to myself? Like, what if I'm stuck here forever? And I really had doubts and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I had these fears um, and these, these, uh, these negative self-talk happened to me. But for me, the thing that kept me going that really shifted my mindset was knowing that there were thousands of people out there doing this journey with me. Cause the way I set it up was, oh. was like, Hey, we are doing this together. Like I'm going right. to be doing this of course, but like, here's exactly what I eat every day. Here's my workouts. Like I'm putting it out there for free. Let, why not do this together? You're like, like trying to create a movement. And so people, thousands of people from all over the world joined me on the journey back to fit. So I was like, well, you know, for me, I know it's going to be hard. Uh, but like, if these people can do it, I can do it too. And yeah. that was the interesting thing for me was, was uh, transitioning back to fit. I thought would just be like this, you know, easy switch, cold turkey, one day mac and right. cheese, the next day spinach and smoothies and like kale and broccoli, like all right. these things. And it sucked really, yeah. really bad. Like it was so hard those first two weeks. I felt like, this is so interesting, but I felt like I was addicted to these foods and my yeah. body was fighting back. Right. My body went through these withdrawal symptoms that I've never experienced before. And that's where my eyes were opened that this is what my clients have been going through. When I would give them a meal plan and say, hey, okay, now you're going to follow this and be perfect at it. They would struggle because their body fights back and wants the high that it got from those foods. Right. You know, the, for me, I only did it for six months. Imagine your your typical client that's been living that way for six years or six decades. Who knows? To all of a sudden switch and try and be perfect, your body, you know, is accustomed to those foods, the hyper palatability of those foods, and uh, the addiction. And it really opened my eyes to just how hard it was to make that switch. Even for me as a trainer and someone that lived a healthy lifestyle. I was going to say, what out of this whole journey? Do you remember the hardest moment, like the one moment that was the hardest? There was two, and one was gaining weight, and one was losing weight. One okay. was I remember my daughter was two at the time, and I came home from work because I still had a full time job in the medical field during this 
this, oh, wow. this, this time. No one really knows that, but I was still working full time as I was doing fit, fit, fit. So I came yeah. home from work exhausted. My two-year-old daughter has tons of energy. She wants to play with me because daddy's been gone all day. And, uh, you know, I'm overweight. I'm trying to chase her around the house, which is some the game she wanted to play. It's like, right. hey, just chase me for hours. <laughs> and um, I told her I needed to take a break after a couple minutes because I was winded. Chafing became an issue. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah. So I sat down on the couch and she's like, daddy, daddy, come play with me. And I said, I can't. I'm so tired. And she just didn't understand, right? And so for her, um, you know, broke my heart to see her. She started crying, you know, and she just wanted her dad to play with her. She didn't care about my size, my weight. Right. And in that moment, it really hit me, you know, how many millions of people out there can't play with their kids or their grandkids, not so much because of their weight, but because of their health. Right. And how bad that must hurt inside to be like, man, I can't even play with my kid because I'm so out of shape and I'm so unhealthy. And that's where I realized that this was becoming way more of a mental and emotional journey. And I could empathize more with those people that struggle instead of judging them. Like, hey, stop being lazy. What's wrong with you? This really opened up my eyes to just how much of transformation is mental and emotional. And then the journey back to fit, right. <laughs> it was going back into the gym. So the first right. 30 days after I um, went back to fit, I actually skipped exercise completely. I wanted to show people the power of nutrition. So I skipped mm. exercise, just changed my diet. And then, but eventually I had to go back into the gym, right? And that right. was very, very nerve wracking for me because I was still overweight. You know, I lost a few pounds the first month, like 20 pounds, but still really uncomfortable in my own skin because my identity was based on my body. Right. My, my, I was Drew the fit guy my whole life, my entire life. And now I was like, who am I without the six pack and the muscles? Right. Like, I, I just felt so uncomfortable. I, I kind of freaked out a little bit. I remember wanting to go up to strangers and explain to them like, hey, this is just an experiment. I don't really look this way normally. Here's my before picture. Go to this website. It'll explain everything. Like, I wanted to like tell strangers that because I was right. so uncomfortable. Yeah. But anyways, going back into the gym was really, really nerve wracking because I felt like I was going to be judged. Right. And I don't know if people were judging me or not, but it was really humbling for me to go through that so that I could kind of, kind of experience what it's like for my clients. Right, 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 right. Um, when you take your clients through this journey, what lesson did you learn along the way that you've now been able to, I guess, I guess now that you've gone through this journey, how did you help your clients afterwards? Yeah. For me, uh, there was a heavy focus before I did this on the physical side of transformation, macros, right. calories, workouts, supplements, right. all those things that we know are important to lose weight. And that's what people think they need to do in order to transform. When in reality, people have that knowledge. The knowledge is there. Just go to Google, you know, type in how to do keto, how to do count your macros, how to do this workout or whatever. There's the information is there. If people in my opinion, struggle more so on the mental and emotional side. So the emotional connection is to food. We, yeah. we eat our emotions. When we're sad, we binge. When we're happy, we celebrate and we eat unhealthy food usually. Like, and and it, it, there's a million reasons or excuses to give in. Like, oh, it's Friday and the team's bringing in donuts today or it's Saturday and we're going for a run that we're eating pizza and, and drinking drinks with our friends Saturday night. And there's just so many excuses in our society. And so right. – what I realize and what I uh, can now empathize with is is helping people on the mental and emotional side more yeah. so than the physical side. Right. So that's kind of what all my programs and my books now are geared towards. It's like, hey, here's the physical stuff. Yes, this will help you lose weight, get a six pack, but let's shift our focus and help you on the mental and emotional side so that this becomes a lifestyle change instead of just another diet. Right. Okay. I was going to ask about the uh, the social part of it. That's always probably that's probably been my biggest challenge. Is you know all, you know, all these you know when I was in college, you know all my friends were eating 
you know, barbecue wings and Taco Bell and stuff like that. And yeah. like, I try to stay away from it. Taco Bell had a salad. Uh, so <laughs> I would eat that. Probably not the best thing, but uh, as far, as far as the socializing goes, you know, the social aspect of it, what, 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 what do you tell your clients, you know, when, when they're going out and they're hanging out with friends or family and the friends or family aren't on the same plan that they are? How, how yeah. do they, how do they overcome that? That's a good question. So I tell each client, everyone has their own happy balance, right? right. We all think, Hey, yeah, I want to be 5% body fat and look like this guy on Instagram, but will you be happier living that lifestyle to get there? You're going to have to sacrifice right. social events. You're going to have to sacrifice certain foods that you enjoy. You're going to be that person with a Tupperware container at the restaurant with chicken and broccoli while yep. everyone's eating brownies and wings. Like, that's cool. Is that the type of, is that your happy balance? Like, do you want that to get 5% body fat? For some yeah. people they can, but then they realize to maintain that is not a lifestyle that they want to live forever. Right. And so like, let's find what your happy balance is. Is ah. it maybe 15% body fat or 20% body fat? And yeah, maybe you won't have the ideal body that you, you want, but you're also happy in your social setting. So everyone's got their own happy balance and I yeah. help them figure that out. Like, all right, I know you say you want 10% body fat, but here's what it's going to require. Are you willing to sacrifice that much? And is that going to be a sustainable lifestyle for you? Like right. maybe you can get there and be like, all right, I did it. And then go back to like a, that a different happy balance. And we all go through, you know, um, hills and valleys in life where we're like, okay, this time I'm going to be really lean this year or, or I have a goal I'm going to set. I'm going to run like, you know, a marathon. And, and then there's going to be times where I'm like, Hey, I'm going to focus on bulking up and change my body and put on muscle mass. So there's going to be ebbs and flows throughout life. And you got to realize, okay, what, what is your happy balance? Because to stay there, you have to, you know, there's going to be some sacrifices. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I saw on Instagram that you had a goal or uh, you were doing some sort of running challenge, I think. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me more about that. So I'm not a runner. I've never ran a, a marathon or a half marathon in my life, but yeah. I decided last year to attempt a 100-mile race. Oh, wow. And um, with my brother, it, with just about one month of training. And that was yeah. after reading a book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Right. If you read that book, you'll be so motivated. You're like, man, I, I am like a week, like I should be doing way more. <laughs> yeah. So I attempted it and I didn't, accomplished 100 miles, but I got 80 miles. And I was like, well, with one month of training, that's not too bad. Like, what if I train for six months? So this year, I've been pushing really hard to train as a runner. And, um, you know, uh, here coming up in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to attempt this again with more training and more help from professionals to accomplish a 100 mile race in 24 hours. So oh, wow. knock on wood, let's hope this year goes better than last year. Yeah, run for us, run. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How, how, does, how does keto actually work? Yeah, good question. So keto is actually, a lot of people think it's a fad diet that's new. Right. It's been around since the beginning of time, if you think about it. So keto is our back, body's backup system when we run out of food. If we didn't have this backup system, our species would never have evolved because we didn't have always, we didn't always have access to grocery stores and Uber Eats and restaurants, you know, and fast food places where anytime you're hungry, here in America at least, you could go and get food, right? Wherever you want. Um, so it's our body's backup system when we run out of food. So you, you can survive days, weeks, sometimes even months, depending on how much fat stores you have, to, uh, and you live off of your own fat, and that's how, that's how keto works in a nutshell. But there's right. two ways to get into ketosis. One is to starve yourself, right? Mm -hmm. If every human on the planet right now stopped eating, within two or three days, we'd all be in a state of ketosis because that's what our bodies were designed to do. Right. But that's not always fun, like to starve yourself, right? So the second way to do that is to, is to eat a keto diet which hacks that, but you're able to eat food. So what you're doing is you're eating high fat, moderate protein, very low carb, yeah. and then that forces your body 
to produce an alternative fuel source to our main source of fuel, which is glucose, which comes right. from carbs. And what happens is our body switches over to a different fuel source where it breaks down fatty acids in the liver and converts them to ketones, right? right? And these ketones are the alternative fuel source to glucose. So think of it as diesel and you know uh, regular gasoline. Mm-hmm. Our bodies can go off of either or whenever right. we choose. So <clears throat> it's just, you're shifting fuel sources from a, a sugar burner which is mostly carbs to becoming a fat burner in right. ketosis. Ah, I love it. I love it. Okay. Now I've been seeing a lot of things about beta hydroxybutyrate. I've never yeah. done my own research on it, but can, can <laughs> you give a, can you give, I guess a brief overview of uh, what beta hydroxybutyrate actually is? You can just is? say BHB. People BHB. call it BHB. <laughs> yeah. So I first learned about it from Tim Ferriss interviewed a guy named Dr. Dominic Diagostino. And if you want to learn more about BHBs and the science behind it, like actual real research being done, follow his work. And so his, his whole research came from, uh, is funded by the department of defense where he would help Navy SEALs get into a deep state of ketosis because the, being in a state of ketosis actually uh, it was discovered in the 1920s to help uh, epilepsy or seizures, wow. control your seizures because it provides a neuroprotective benefit for your brain when you're, yeah. uh, when your uh, blood ketone levels are elevated. So when you're in ketosis, your blood ketone levels are elevated and your glucose is lowered because you're eating a low-carb, high-fat diet, and your ketones are up, your glucose goes down. And it, pro- it provides a neuroprotective benefit for your brain. So that's kind of where he first started researching these BHB because the BHBs, what it does is instead of fasting for two days and getting into ketosis, these Navy SEALs could drink the BHBs, like a drink that's ready to go, and within 20 minutes, it is as if they had been fasting for a day or two. Holy Does that shit. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So they were able to, you know, get into a deep state of ketosis by just taking this BHB supplement. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So anyways, um, yeah, it's a really cool hack. Now it is not the same as nutritional ketosis where your body's burning fat is energy. So I do want to make a distinction mm-hmm. just because you're taking BHBs and your blood ketones elevate doesn't mean you're going to burn more fat. Doesn't mean you're going to lose fat quicker. Um, it just means that your blood ketones are elevated. So what you'll get is a improvement in mental clarity and focus yep. for your brain. Your appetite is suppressed and your glucose is really low. So no insulin spikes. So that's why it's great for diabetics and uh, people that are trying to lower their insulin. Right. Do you have a, do you have a specific BHB brand that you recommend? Um, well, I, I'm a little bit biased. I have my own brand. It's yeah, called yeah. Complete Wellness and it's yeah, just yeah. called BHB. It's called BHB. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I've tested all of them. I've worked with a lot of companies in the past before I developed my own line yeah. of supplements. Uh, Complete, well- uh, Complete Wellness, my line is affordable. It tastes really good. They all work, right? right. They all work. Some you might get a, a, a bump in point five or 0.7 millimoles if you tested your blood ketones. Some mm-hmm. of them you might get up as, as high as like 1.0. So those are all ketone salts, right? All, and th- those are a little bit more affordable. There's something called ketone esters. Now ketone esters will give you a bump in like 3.0 to 5.0 millimoles, which is unbelievable. That's like, yeah, if you had fasted for seven days, you would get that much bump, and, but they're really expensive and they taste awful. They taste like <laughs> jet fuel. They don't taste good, but they are a little bit more effective as far as getting your blood ketones elevated even higher, but they're going to be way more expensive and they, they taste awful. Whereas the BHBs, smaller bump, more affordable and taste better. Right. How, how long can someone stay in ketosis? Yeah, uh, you mean just in general or like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In general. Okay. So let's say someone wanted to sure. go on the keto diet. Mm-hmm. Is this like a forever thing? How, how long should they stay on it? So I'm a big believer that 
humans were meant to be metabolically flexible. So ah, that means right. we can be good at running off glucose or running off ketones. So if you think about it from an ancestral perspective, you know, there was times where our ancestors only had access to animals, right? During the winter time, there was no fruits or vegetables available. So what did they eat? There was mostly animal meats and right. most likely they're in a state of ketosis, fasting, finding food, hunting, eating animal products only, right? You're going to be in a state of ketosis because there's no carbs uh, yeah. in, in those foods, right? But then maybe in the summer or springtime, there was access to berries and fruits and vegetables. And so they ate more of those plant-based foods that were higher in carbohydrates. So, you know, there's times of feast and famine. And right. I feel like our bodies were meant to go in and out of ketosis. Now, here's the thing. I know people that have been doing keto strict for years and decades that are totally fine, totally healthy because it's, right. it's healthy being in a, a ketogenic state. And I know people with epilepsy that have severe epilepsy. They literally cannot eat carbohydrates because it could trigger a seizure. Oh my God. So they've been wow. doing keto for decades now because if they eat too many carbs, that could trigger a seizure, which is scary for them. Right. So it can be healthy. I, for me personally, I dip in and out of ketosis all the time, right? Yeah. I use keto probably as my default mode 80% of the time, but you know, I'm going to enjoy Sunday morning pancakes with my daughters or, you know, go to Disneyland and, and partake of, you know, whatever. Like I am not too strict all the time, but I do feel great on keto because my yeah. brain is sharper. The mental yeah. clarity is like through the roof. Plus I'm not a slave to food. Whereas before I was eating six, seven small meals a day, like all day long. Right. Now my digestion is better because I eat once or twice a day and I'm able to do podcasts I'm able to, you know, do speaking engagements I'm able to write books and write blog posts and create content. And I'm yeah. eating once or twice a day and it's, it feels amazing. Yeah. Super easy. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on bulletproof coffee? Oh yeah. So Dave Asprey, I have been on his podcast before and I've, I've been a big fan of bulletproof coffee for a while, but it's changed over the years. In the beginning I was doing so much fat, like yeah. butter, coconut oil, like so much. Right. Like, and it worked great. Like it definitely worked great for a while, but now I've kind of lowered it down because it's so calorically dense. Yeah. I do. So my line of supplements, not to make a plug, but I use the MCT oil powder, which is about 40 calories per scoop. Yeah. And it's flavored. It's vanilla flavored. It mixes really well with coffee. So it's, it's sweetened with stevia and it's keto friendly, but it's not a ton of fat like you would get from butter and coconut oil. So right. that's kind of my version of how I've evolved it over the years. Cool. I don't do super focus. Uh, I don't uh, focus too much on the heavy fat content. Right, right. You mentioned uh, pancakes on Sundays. Do you have a yes. favorite cheat meal? <laughs> yeah, for me, it's probably pizza. I'll be totally honest with you. I love right. a good like deep dish pizza or yeah. even like a thin crust is really good. But for me, it's every once in a while. What I've noticed training for my 100 miler is after my long runs, if I have a cheat meal every time after I do a 20 or 30 mile run, the inflammation and the recovery is the inflammation's up and the recovery is slower. Right. So if I eat keto afterwards or fast a little bit after my long runs, my recovery is so much better. I can get back into a longer run sooner than like having to take days off. So right. I do enjoy it every once in a while, but it does have consequences. Right. And this yeah. is what I want to drive home is that there's no good or bad food. I don't want people right. to think I'm good if I eat good food. I'm bad if I eat bad food. We label that as humans when in reality, food is just food, but there are good or bad consequences. So you know what you're getting into. Like, hey, mm -hmm. I know dairy and gluten are going to do this to me, but is it worth it? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm allergic to gluten, but uh, once a year, I'll have Porto's Bakery. It's a, it's a bakery oh, nice. in Los Angeles. So uh, <laughs> yeah, once a year, 
My yeah. face breaks out. I feel terrible <laughs> afterwards, but, but once yeah, a year, it's I'm worth good. it. Yeah. It's once yeah. A, it's worth it. You know, <laughs> for sure. For sure. What's, what's, what's something that's true for you that no one else agrees with you on? That's a good question. I wouldn't say no one else agrees with me on, but very few people do in the fitness industry. So I'm yeah. trying to bring empathy to the fitness industry oh. because I feel people don't care how much you know mm-hmm. until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. So here's the hard part though. It's hard to sell a fitness program that focuses is, that focuses on self-love, the mental, right. emotional side. People are like, how's meditation going to help me get a six pack? Like I want right. to get a six pack. Yeah. So what I've learned is people love the, the sexy bait, like the hook uh, yeah. of the story of like, hey, right. get a six pack doing keto and this is the diet. Like, that's what people are attracted to because that's the way our society is. So what I do is I put that stuff up front, but then on the backside, it's all about empathy, the mental and emotional side. So I'm talking about meditation. I'm talking about positive affirmations, a gratitude list, journaling every single day. And, and I tie that into a, a healthy fit lifestyle because that's the stuff that's going to create it. Uh, into a lifestyle instead of right. another diet mentality that people get stuck in. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say no one, like, like I'm the only one that believes that, but yeah. very few people. And that's kind of what I'm trying to bring to the fitness industry and shake it up is, hey, let's start with empathy first and see if that makes a difference instead of fat shaming and making people feel less than about their bodies and they need to, they're only of value or successful if they get a certain body type. Right. I love that. It, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that starting with like a sexy hook first and then bring them over to like self-development yeah i I used to be in the dating advice industry (laughs) and uh a lot of these dating coaches they would use hooks like learn how to flirt with women this weekend (laughs) but then once you get into their programs they're like okay listen guys we just use that (laughs) as a hook you need to develop self-respect and self-love and and really respect everybody and and you need to work on your own confidence i was like huh that's that's (laughs) i really like that uh who's who's one of your who's one of your heroes in in the fitness world yeah, that's a good question. Um, a hero in the fitness world. That's, there's, a, there's a lot of people because there's the fitness world we think of as like just these bodybuilders or physical yeah. competitors, like people with nice bodies. But for me, it's more so of like a wellness, a holistic approach. And mm-hmm. one of my mentors, I guess, would be uh, Sean Stevenson is the host of the Model Health Show podcast, yeah. one of the top five iTunes fitness podcasts out there. Um, and then also to be honest, like the rock in a weird way, because he's so real and authentic Oh my God, yeah, with his audience that, you know, even though his mentality, like how hardcore he is working out, I'm not that hardcore, but right. like, I respect that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I would, I would consider him like a, a hero in that sense. But, uh, also David Goggins, very inspiring, motivating, like, oh yeah, like achieving the impossible, like all the time, like he just makes it seem possible for someone like me that even for me, I have self-limiting beliefs and I need to be pushed. Right. I love that. I love that. Are, are you writing another book? Um, not yet. Not yet, but what, soon. What, what's the next one going to be? <laughs> so fit to fat to fit is my first one, right? right? That one became a New York time bestseller. And that's a great one to kind of learn more about mindset of my whole journey of fit to fat to fit. What I learned complete keto it's a ketogenic approach, but mm-hmm. more so uh, with a focus on the mental and emotional side. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's different than other keto books is because along with the meal plans in there, there's meditation, positive affirmations, and a gratitude list you do every single day. Right. My next book, I can't really talk about the details because it's going gonna, it's gonna to open up a can of worms of like, okay, this is going to happen. <laughs> there's just know that at, in 2020, towards the end of 2020, I'm going to be starting a, a journey that's going to blow people away. It's going to be very uh, – it's going to be mind-blowing for a lot of people. So that's happening soon. So once that happens, the book will start and it, it will be 
similar to a fitness book, you know, the sexy hook yeah. up front, but more so more mindset, more self-love on the back end to help people live it as a lifestyle, but with a, a huge unique um, uh, twist to help motivate people. I love it, man. I'm excited for our listeners who are excited about this. Where can they find you? Where can they follow you so they can uh, stay updated on this? Yeah, super simple. All of my stuff is branded fit number two, fat number two fit. Like fit to fat to fit, Google it. It's my website, my podcast, my first book, all my social media handles. It's all one. This is the same. I love it, man. I love it. Cool. So fit to fat to fit.com. Um, I also saw something on there. What, what's keto school program? Yeah, so that, oh man. So during quarantine, you know, obviously a lot of people were stuck at home. So I started producing at home workouts. Yeah. And um, I wanted to make it accessible to everyone so they could have it all in one convenient place instead of following me on YouTube or Facebook Live or Instagram Live, like, and, and trying to find these workouts. I put it all into one program where you have all my at home workouts in, in, in one place, plus all my keto recipes. So if you want sim- qu- simple, quick, easy keto recipes, hundreds of them. Um, and then also uh, keto content, Q&A, answering all your questions. If you want to learn how to do keto the right way, it's, um, it's a subscription platform. It's like $8.95 a month. And people can go find all that content in one convenient place. And each month, we update it with new content every single month so that you're getting delivered uh, you know, new content to help you live this healthy lifestyle. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Thanks okay, guys, so, so go to fit2fat2fit.com or just look up fit to fat to fit You can uh, find Drew Manning everywhere if you uh, type that in. Cool, and we're going to jump into our behind-the-scenes Q&A. So as far as the public interview goes, thanks for, thanks for joining us, man. You're welcome. Want to see what the top experts have to say behind the scenes? Just go to modernbiotechradio.com and you'll get instant access to every behind-the-scenes interview for free. Now, these interviews are not for the public, so please don't share. But if you'd like to pull back the curtain with me and learn what secrets they reveal, just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to these interviews for free. Again, that's modernbiotechradio.com. If you'd like to learn the best kept secrets that they can't share publicly, but allowed me to share in private, just go to modernbiotechradio.com and get instant access to all of these interviews completely free. I'll see you there.